Welcome to part two. It was raining a little bit, so I had to let the jungle rain stop before I could uh, go on. But it, it is going to be a longer uh, two-part because uh, this is National Domestic Violence Month, October 2021. And um, it started out with a bang. And so we were talking about um, trauma responses to domestic violence. Now, I left off on when your body feels stress um, and, and you can be triggered. And after a traumatic event, the uh, lasting changes in your emotions and your body and your thoughts, you know, are triggered by other incidents such as someone coming up you know this is October Halloween fear month horror you know violence gore um, that could trigger you you know someone coming up behind you boo you've got a fight-or-flight response you might fight back you know and they don't understand they're just playing around they don't know what you went through or they don't understand trauma. Um, and so even reading certain things online can be traumatic. And, and so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the common reactions to trauma and focusing on the trauma of domestic violence um, today. And I'm hoping it will assist you in understanding the way your experiences have impacted you and knowing that these reactions are normal and valid responses and that you can work towards a journey of a sense of safety and control over your life again and work on healing and moving forward. It's going to take time. Um, you know, we just put our Kelly, he just was found guilty of, um, you know, sex trafficking and, and the the violence he committed on children. People keep saying women, they were not women, they were children and a young boy. Uh, people often leave men or boys out of a domestic violence and trauma and sexual assault. I don't because it happens to everybody. Now, you know, we experience trauma and DV at the hands of someone we trust and we love them and it impacts us profoundly in every area of our life and what it involves is a pattern of coercive and controlling behavior that your partner uses against you to obtain power and control over you and your life they use such tactics as intimidation coercion threats economic abuse, I think I mentioned all of these, emotional abuse, and even using your children. And their reactions or actions might make you feel fearful, powerless, hopeless. And as you struggle to stay safe as you can in a dangerous situation, you've got all of these emotions inside of you that are just running rampant and you don't know what to do. And even if you decide to leave the relationship, your partner 
can pose an even more risk to your emotional and physical safety at this time. Um, this often means that, means that healing from the previous abusive uh, experiences takes additional time and effort. It's cumulative. They build, they build, they build, they build. And yet many victims of domestic violence do heal and go on to live fulfilling and enriching lives. I did. And you can too. Um, the reaction to trauma is different with people. Um, but I'm, these are some of the reactions that you may have <clears throat> or other people that you know who are going through this. So you can be aware of how to respond appropriately and how to be supportive and not um, be an abuser as well, unknowingly. Um, now, there are three common clusters of the body and the brain response to trauma. I'm just finishing up uh, a certification in uh, as a trauma clinician. And so these are some of the things that I've learned or am learning. Um, but I, believe me, I didn't need a, uh, any certification in trauma and domestic violence because I've lived through it um, and I've survived intact. Barely, <laughs> but I did. Uh, so a hyper arousal refers to the physiological, your body. Um, all the changes that occur in the brain and the bodies of trauma survivors. Now, people prepare, uh, these responses help you to prepare to respond to perceived danger. You have the fight or flight. You may feel like you're constantly on the alert. You can never re relax. Your gut, we've talked about that gut before, being in a ball, and every nerve in your body is on alert. Your back hurts. Your muscles hurt so bad because you're constantly aware. You're never relaxed. And you'll have physical pain. Um, it, and it's really horrendous to have this in your body. But then your brain is also re remembering the trauma and, and bringing it up and bringing it up. So you can't get away with it. You know, and then your thoughts are constantly going on and you can have all of these responses for weeks, months, or years after a single event. Um, now, intrusion or re-experiencing events is the next one. Uh, these symptoms do refer to experiencing of the trauma intruding upon your life after an event is over. Now, uh, this can involve memories or disturbing event. Um, and when you don't even want to or even think about it, it will pop up. This is what makes people feel totally out of control and it affects with your mental wellness. Because you can't, you don't know when this is going to come up or when this is going to happen. It could throw your whole day off. Um, and then you have anxiety, panic attacks, just a whole snowball effect. The third one is constriction or avoidance reactions. Um, now, our brain responds to stress by keeping us safe 
through ignoring or avoiding anything related to the trauma. That's what the brain is doing to protect you. This can include numbing of your feelings and your thoughts connected with the traumatic situation. You might feel the urge to avoid all circumstances associated with that trauma and withdraw from others in a way of seeking emotional safety. So how can this trauma impact me, you're asking, as the person, as the victim? Um, each person is impacted differently. There's no checklist of everything that you can, this is what's going to happen to you. No. Um, but we do know that trauma can have a huge impact, as I've stated before, on every single area of your life. Um, and the number one thing it impacts is the control of your emotions, uh, making better decisions um, or making uh, yourselves feel better, making, you know, and developing plans. All of these are thrown off kilter. So it's very common for victims of DV to feel like their relationship has changed their lives in multiple ways they could never have imagined. Um, survivors such as myself and others, you know, often talk about the ways in which abuse has affected their physical health, their mental health, emotional health, feelings about themselves and others, their relationships with loved ones and other people as well, and also their spiritual relationships and their understanding of the world. Trauma changes people, but we know that survivors of trauma are strong. This is the number one thing that I mentioned before. Abusers never choose a person who is not resilient, a person who is not strong, a person who won't put up a fight because they crave that fight. Resting the power from a strong person is the most empowering thing that an abuser goes for. Okay. So a lot of people say, you know, just like we were talking about this woman's experience and how she was uh, responded to very negatively from the community. Um, you know, people just don't know that it could be them. And the first thing they'll say is, oh, that could never be me. I would never let a fool do that to me. Or oh, this N-word would never do that to me. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this. But what they're not taking into account is that this process has beaten you down to the point of you cannot do those things. You can, you barely have the strength to wake up in the morning, to brush your teeth, to take a shower, to clean the house, to take care of the kids, drag yourself to work, to function at work. This is how trauma impacts people. Um, and then we come to what can help me heal. Well, let's talk a little bit more about a few of the symptoms. Um, fear. And it doesn't escape me that National Domestic Violence Month is October, the month of fear. You know, because that's what I was going to talk about. Um, but this fear is really important to talk about. Uh, symptoms of feelings like you've lost control, having trouble concentrating, 
feeling guilty. Now, this right here, I just experienced this um, as I speak with uh, survivors. I hear this all the time because I said it too. I feel so guilty that I called the police and had them arrested. Now, listen to that. As a person outside of the situation, would you feel guilty for calling a person who committed a crime on, on you? You would say no. But after you, this, this type of crime is different because it's a person you know, love, and care, care for. And so you don't, you don't want to hurt someone else because I'm going to say it. You are not an abuser. I'm not going to use the words good or bad because abusers may not be bad people, but they do some really bad things. And, but I'm not here to defend the, the abuser tonight. We'll talk about that another time. Um, and feeling negative about yourself for surviving, having survivor's guilt, uh, depression, definitely. And I'm not talking about just feeling sad. I'm talking about laying on the floor and can't get up depression. That's depression. Uh, anxiety, severe anxiety, you know, um, all the time problems in your relationships because you don't know how to trust people after this and you're, you don't feel heard you don't feel respected you don't feel believed even by the police you're re-victimized again now what happened this evening as I was being a support person I just listened um, because listening Right after an event, it reestablishes a sense of safety for the victim somewhere. Okay. Feeling safe in just being heard is important. And being able to talk about the traumatic experiences without um, being told what to feel is important. And giving yourself some time to recover instead of immediately saying, oh, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow or got to do this. No, you've just survived. And I'm going to say it a lot of time, a near-death experience. And um, so you need to pay attention to your body's reactions and think about how you can calm down when you are stressed. And, um, you know, start your healing journey as soon as you can. Now, what happens usually in every state um, after you've called the police and after they've come, um, if the person is arrested, uh, they will send your information to a domestic violence uh support center and they usually contact you within 24 hours um, be very open very frank don't feel like you have to hold your emotions in these people have seen it out seen it all and that's what they're there for they're there to, to support you 
to help you to feel safe, to let you know you're not crazy, you didn't imagine this. And a lot of times, uh, well, they do have social work degrees most mostly. Um, and so they can also help you to see through the fog of, you know, the rationalization that you're going to do uh, of rationalizing in a way in being guilty of being the bad person. Because remember, you've been broken down and you're not just going to pop out of the, uh, the believing that all these things that this person said to you, you're, you're not just going to come out of that because you still believe it because you've been broken down. You believe something enough. Someone says something enough to enough times you begin to believe it no matter how strong you are. It is gaslighting. It is a continual day in and day out of gaslighting. Um, so allow the DV people to help you. And I hear this all the time and I did experience it myself. My first DV experience I called the Domestic Violence Helpline in Washington State. At that time, it was Citizens Against Domestic Assault, CADA. And they really couldn't help me get out of the house because I didn't call the police. Okay, there was no police involved because I didn't want to get this person in trouble. I didn't want to ruin his military career. I almost died, but I didn't want to ruin his military career. My children witnessed the most horrendous thing they had ever seen, but I didn't want to destroy his career or his reputation. And they rely on that. So she couldn't really help me. But at that, from that point on, she started a case file for me. And every time it happened, no matter what happened, I could call her and she added the incidents to my case file. Now, I did start using a daily journal of what happened because, like I said, you're gaslit and you don't always trust your what you're believing and seeing. But a journal will. Date it, put the incident down there. Don't hold back on what the incident is. Write exactly as detailed as possible what it is and keep that journal someplace safe and so you can give it to your counselor so she can add those entries into your case file and in case you have to call the police again um, you can tell them I've been seeing someone there because a lot of time the victims are arrested because they have defense you know they're defending themselves so if you let them know I have been seeing a domestic violence counselor for so many months recording all of these incidents, it will help you uh, show a pattern of abuse, a pattern of survival, and it will help you in your court case. And it will also help you re-empower yourself, take back that control, um, you know, and take your life back because it's going to take a long time for you to be comfortable even living by yourself. Uh, there's a lot of fear going on and those are all other topics that I'm going to get to um, coming up. I may not even wait till Sunday. I may start just doing them every day. We'll see. Um, because this is an important topic. Now, after you've called the police and, you know, call someone immediately to have support, and don't feel, don't apologize for calling them. 
even if it's one o'clock in the morning, you're going to apologize. And if they're any type of person, they're going to tell you, don't ever apologize to me. You can call me for any time, anything. Um, and let them hear you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. It's okay to feel like you're going to fall apart. All of this is okay. Now, some of the risk factors that you're going to feel afterwards, um, some of the risk factors of what got you there and what's going to happen afterwards is low self-esteem. Now, the link between low self-esteem and the risk of being both an abuser or someone who's affected by abuser in DV cases is very high. Okay. Um, nobody, you know, your self-esteem is impacted, okay? And um, you may experience a low academic achievement if you're in school or low work uh, efficacy, um, you know, and you become more at a risk of being abused again if you've been previously abused before. So you're, you're going to have problems trusting other people. You're going to become hyper-aware of people's movements, people's words, the hidden meanings in between the words, um, maybe too much until you learned, maybe you can go for assertiveness training and learning how to set your boundaries up. These are some of the things that um, a therapist or a, a person who is trained to work with trauma can help you do. Um, our cultural beliefs and traditional viewpoints affect whether or not we're going to be an abuser or being in an abused situation. Um, our culture, the black indigenous and people of color culture has always been a violent culture. We, we have been abused emotionally, physically, um, societally or socially, um, and gaslit to no end. And so our culture has taken those things in and taught us not to make waves, not to complain. You just take it if your husband's beating you or if he's bad to you, you just take it. You just stay for the sake of the kids. Um, you know, these are some deep-rooted beliefs, you know, and that men are superior to women, that women should be submissive to their men. Well, no. You don't have to be submissive to abuse. That's abuse. Wanting someone to be submissive to you is abuse. And in our spiritual and religious culture, you know, the Bible is telling the woman is supposed to be submissive to her husband. That's not saying that you are his punching bag. That's not what that's saying. That's not what, it's not saying that you are at um, his back and call. That is not what that's saying. That's dysfunctional. That's a, a spiritual abuse. Okay? Now, because a lot of these people have control. And if they feel they're slipping control, they're going to control any of those areas we just discussed about. So cultural traditions do not trump the laws designed to protect, to protect people. I don't care what your grandma says. I don't care what your mama says. 
it is against the law to be abused. Under no circumstances do you have to accept it because it's in your culture. It's what we do. It's, it's, it's what black people do. No. Or what native people or Hispanic. No. It's abuse. Okay. Now, um, with the cycle of abuse comes mental illness. Um, and, you know, you may get a diagnosis, bipolar, schizophrenia, may go through a lot of those different um, things, narcissistic, Machiavelli, you know, the dark triad of those type of people, sociopaths, psychopaths. Um, this is mental illness. So it's especially true if someone is abusing you who is mentally ill and not on medication, um, you could lose your life. And so giving excuses for that type of person could be the mean the difference between living and dying. And I, I don't mean to sound so cavalier about it, but that's just the way it is. I've gone through this. I've gone through everything I'm telling you tonight. And, um, you know, and then it could lead you to substance abuse, excessive gambling, sex abuse, um, even turning around and abusing your kids because that happens too. All right. You're still the victim, but then you turn around and re-victimize those less powerful than you. It is a cycle. And, um, it is what happens after you've been abused. So you have to learn to start taking care of yourself. This is what I'm getting to. Self-care. It's very important. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to leave a toxic relationship. And that fear often leaves you crippled and feeling trapped just like the abuse did. Um, and I said survivors often feel guilty about leaving an abuser. However, your safety and the safety of any children in your care is the utmost importance. You come first. So you have to face your fears. And you're going to have a lot more of them after this. Uh, some of them real and some of them imagined from the trauma or re. re- um, come come up over and over again. Unfortunately, fear is one of the reins, main re- reason people experience DV that they don't ex- experience help, see, seek help because they feel embarrassed. They feel like this person's going to think they're stupid. But you have to do that to tap into the right resources. It is crucial. So your first time going to see your counselor is going to be the hardest time to walk through a door. You're going to have all these emotions and fear of, of the unknown. Uh, you'll likely need a lot of support from a lot of different resources to recover from domestic abuse. If you're unsure of how effective online therapy uh, might be in your case, you might want to consider uh Post-traumatic stress disorder was one of the first types of therapy to be studied online. So uh, a recent publication looked at a total of 38 of those studies 
to affirm that cognitive behavioral therapy, a common type, uh, type of talk therapy, is more effective than being put on a waiting list and just as effective as traditional therapy. Now, online therapy allows you to be more flexible as to location. You don't need to go to an office. You don't need to dress up. You can show up as you are. You know, um, there's no being put on a wait list. You know, if you've been working up the courage to start therapy, this is a great place to start. You know, um, I just happen to be a cognitive behavioral therapy coach. <laughs> and I use coach in there because um, I coach people through a lot of different emotional uh, things. And I'm adding trauma to my modality because of the trauma that I experienced. Now, I am so grateful tonight that this person walked through their fear to call me right after they had the courage to call the police and get themselves safe. I have never been more proud of a person in my life. Um, she is not a client, um, but I have been working with her, just listening, just giving tiny suggestions, supporting her, you know, not telling her what to do, but just sharing my experience, my strength, and my hope with her that she too can leave this relationship with her life. And tonight, I'm, I'm grateful to say that she did leave. 